Hey everybody, it's Miss Texas USA 2018, Logan Lester, and you're listening to Life After the Crown with Tim Tialdo. Hey everybody, welcome to the Life After the Crown podcast, where each episode I bring you useful interviews with former pageant contestants, title holders, and women of influence who are now succeeding across many different industries in the real world. My name is Tim Tialdo, lifestyle entrepreneur, pageant host, author, and quite honestly, somebody who just wants to help you become a better person overall. Now, if pageant life is over for you, or it soon could be, and you're wondering, well, what do I do now? Or what's next? This podcast is designed to help make the transition to real life and the school of hard knocks a little bit easier for you to handle. So if this is your first time listening, thanks for tuning in. We're glad you're with us today. Let's get started. My guest today was Miss Texas USA 2018 and also a graduate of Texas A&M University, where, by the way, she finished her degree in just three years' time. In 2016, she earned her real estate license in Texas and has become a popular and successful real estate agent in the Lone Star State who provides world-class service, and she's built a reputation for her professionalism, attention to detail, and her devotion to her clients' success. She is a member of the Houston Association of Realtors, the Texas Association of Realtors, and the National Association of Realtors. In addition to her crown and real estate credentials, she is also a successful fitness model. Fresh off giving up her crown just a couple of weeks ago, Logan Lester, it's great to have you on. Thanks for coming on. And uh, by the way, congrats on Top 15 at Miss USA. Thank you so much, Tim. I'm very excited to be a part of your podcast and share a little bit with your listeners. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm ready to talk pageants with you, and we'll, we'll certainly get into your rock star real estate career. So um, let's kind of take a step back here, uh, if we could. Uh, you were Miss Houston Teen USA way back in 2012. Was that where your pageant journey began, or did it begin much earlier than that? Actually, um, that was, I think, probably my third pageant. My first one I ever did was uh, Miss Texas Teen USA. I think that was 2011, the year that Daniel Doty won uh, Miss Texas Teen, and then she went on to Miss Teen USA. And I always like to giggle about a memory. Um, that was my first pageant ever. I didn't know anything about pageants and what to expect. <laughs> Um, the only thing I knew was to get a spray tan and <laughs> everything else was just by the book. I did not know about fake eyelashes or how to do my makeup. I learned that off YouTube and, um, and the, I was actually in the top 15 at that pageant and I stepped on Danielle's dress and she was so nice about it and she ended up winning and we kind of laugh about it now. Was it intimidating to compete in Texas? I mean, you know, you're the first girl I've had on from Texas, by the way, um, which is, you know, obviously a massive legacy state. It always does well. I, I guess what's it like to grow up in Texas and say, I want to compete at the state pageant? Um, I think for me, I was not into pageantry and girly things at all until the first one I ever did. Um, I grew up doing dance and I did um competitive cheerleading until sixth grade. And then from there, I moved on to track. And I went to school every day, pretty much with natural hair, maybe a ponytail. Um, I didn't really wear much makeup. And through some of my experiences in high school, it led me towards kind of a lower self-esteem, some of the things that were going on. Uh, I think that my family started worrying about me. And that's when my mom Got a flyer in the mail from the Crystal Group, which is the organization that owns Miss Texas USA and Miss Texas Teen USA. And it said, this could be you. And Chelsea Morgison was on the front. 
And I thought, you know, this is not something for me, but my mom kept pushing me to do it. And I normally trust my mom. She has great advice and she always leads me down the right path. So I thought, why not? You know, I need to work on uh, a positive me and, you know, what do I have to lose basically? So I went into it not knowing any expectations about, you know, the history of Texas beauty pageants and the success that my state has had. I I really just went into it kind of naive and not knowing what to expect. And so I think that's why I was so successful. My first pageant, I was in the top 15 at a state level pageant and I actually won Miss Congeniality that year. Um, But I think not knowing what to expect has really helped me because I didn't really do my homework on, you know, who was a contender or, you know, what, what mold I needed to fit. I was just pretty much authentically myself. And that's how it all began. Well, you said your mom pressured you into it. Um, well, I wouldn't yeah. say pressured, but definitely recommended, let's say, <laughs> that you compete in a pageant. And I think there's a lot of girls that are teens, you know, if we're talking about back in 2012, that I think they kind of go through that same mindset that you had of, you know, I don't know if this is for me. What was it when you looked at it that kind of changed your mind and then you know, what you actually experienced that made you say, maybe I am kind of a pageant girl. That That is a very good question. I don't know if I've ever really truly thought about that. I think it was kind of odd that my mom wanted me to do it because she was a softball player growing up and she was always trying to put my sister and I in sports like, you know, soccer, softball, things like that. And we just really weren't interested. You know, we liked the dance and cheerleading, but we still weren't girly girls. Uh, But I think it was kind of exciting to try something new. And that's what was appealing to me. And I remember, you know, watching Miss USA on TV every year and always rooting for Texas because I'm always very proud of my state. Um, You know, not knowing who these women were. And it's kind of funny now looking back, like remembering certain things about the Miss Texas that year. And now I actually have met that woman and we have a relationship and so on and so forth. But I think that, that excitingness about it being new was probably the most enticing part of, okay, I'll, I'll try this. I'll see what it's all about. Did you feel like that, uh, I guess in some ways, did it remedy or even cure some of the insecurities that you were experiencing as a teen at that time? It did. Um, now I have to say since my journey started in the world of pageants, that has been very up and down. And I'm sure a lot of girls could agree that, you know, it's not always a perfect experience because that's part of growing and, you know, evolving into the person you're supposed to become. But I think that at that time, it was very positive for me because once I got there, I realized that a lot of the girls were very like-minded. They were positive, kind girls, and I really enjoyed being around that atmosphere. So it was kind of, you know, as soon as I got there, it was almost like, okay, I'm addicted to this. This is this is a positive thing. So we're uh, about a year ago, you win and you're competing. How many girls were competing in the pageant at that time? Um, let's see. It was January 6th of this year. And I think there was about 98 contestants. I think that was the number. What is it like to compete against that many girls, number one, and number two, especially in Texas? 
to, to hear your name called? That is a very, very exciting moment, um, something that I have imagined over and over. But I haven't always thought I would win because I didn't know that I had what it took, if that makes any sense. A lot, for many years, I was kind of just trucking along, um, competing because it was something positive to work towards. It gave me a goal to work towards. And then I don't really know when it happened, but there was kind of a light bulb time in my life when I realized, okay, maybe I, I could actually do this. And I really focused this year on not really comparing myself to other girls and just focusing on how I could be the best version of myself. And I think that's what changed the game for me. Three years prior, I competed four times and won on my fourth time. I was always comparing myself to the other beautiful Texas girls. You know, I, I'm not tall enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not fit enough or my headshot isn't as good as hers and you know I'm not the favorite or blah 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 and I think this time I went into it and I just kind of was ready to put my shield up because I know my heart and I know what I could do with the title and I let that kind of show I didn't really let anybody's opinion get in my way if that makes sense yeah and it's great that you say that because I almost heard the exact same words come out of Nia Sanchez's mouth I talked to her a couple of months ago about her time when she was competing in California. And she said the same thing that, you know, for a long time she was comparing herself and feeling like she had to live up to a certain standard. And when she let all that go, that's when she won and obviously went on to win Miss USA. So you kind of felt like in the same way, once you kind of let it go and just said, I'm going to be Logan and I'm not going to be what I think Texas wants, that's when you feel like it, it, it clicked for you. Because there's always people, you know, that don't really, you know, they think that what Miss Texas should be is X, Y, and Z. And I just felt like I was never going to be X, Y, and Z because I'm a, I'm a W, right? Mm -hmm. I'm my own person. And so I kind of, I think that's what kept me for so long of 100% believing in myself because it was always in the back of my mind. Well, I'm not fitting up to what Texas, you know, quote unquote is. And so when I let go of that and I really just tried to manifest what I wanted for myself and, you know, started doing positive affirmations and I changed my mindset, that changed the game. I'm interested to know now I host in other states, uh, but I know Texas has always been a, a huge legacy state in both Miss America and Miss USA. Um, it has what's called the sash factor. You know, when you walk through that door, everybody wants to know who's Texas, you know, and she's she's probably going right. to be pretty competitive. Are there massive expectations on your shoulders as the representative of Texas when you go to nationals that you feel like everybody is expecting you, you know, to make top 15 and do really well? Well, I just personally went through this and I wouldn't say that anybody put particular pressure on me. I think that it, I was proud to represent the state of Texas because I've been asked so many times, you know, well, you could, you know, kind of state hop and go somewhere else to get to Miss USA. But it only meant something to me to represent the state of Texas at Miss USA. And so I, I don't think I felt really pressured by carrying that weight. I was more just proud and humbled and grateful that I had the opportunity to represent T-E-X-A-S at Miss USA. And I know Gail, um, my director, Gail Clark, she told me the day after I won, she said, you know, we have the only expectation we have of you is that you do your best. You know, from here on out, you live every day as Miss Texas 100%. And as long as you do that, we'll never be disappointed. And um, I remember being on the Miss USA stage. I was just walked in swimsuit, standing with the other uh, rest of the girls. And they were calling the top 10 and they were calling other names and my name was never called. And I just remembered at that moment, um, just kind of walked off the stage. I texted Gail and I just said, I feel like a million dollars. And she, 
you know, was so proud. So I never felt too much pressure from my director, from my family or anybody, because I know that I, I gave it 100%. Well, and you did awesome up there. And I look, I can't tell you how many women who have come on here or who I know personally that have said amazing things about Logan Lester. They're like, you know, she was... She was at lunch with us during Miss USA, making real estate calls, selling houses, and then going to do interview, and she was killing it. So everybody had such great things to say about you. So you obviously had a positive impact, not only on Texas, but on, you know, the national crew as well. That's very sweet. I think, you know, some people get really caught up in just maybe winning or going there to win, but you've got to make it a whole experience because at the end of the day, there's only one winner. And so if you just came there to win, then you've already lost because you can gain so much more from that opportunity than just the crown and the title, right? Well, look, since you've been competing uh, since, I guess, what, 2011, 2012, you've you've gone through uh, an in very interesting time in the pageant world. You know, things have evolved quite a bit in those few years until now. Um, as you have competed these last couple of years, what do you think of the pageant industry in its current state? Are you are you happy with the direction? Are you concerned? Do you like it? I have very mixed feelings. I think that we're at such a special time right now with um, so many people coming out, using their voices to make a difference. And equality is so big right now. And I can definitely get behind that. But I think, you know, what makes competing at a pageant like Miss USA or Miss America um, is some of our traditions that we have. And that's what makes us different than, than other organizations or other competitions. So I wouldn't say that I'm totally thrilled with the direction it's heading. And I'm really happy that I won the time that I did because I'm not sure if I would be as excited about, you know, competing in the future. But I'm, I'm kind of just holding my breath because I'm really interested to see on what's going to happen and how people are going to react to the way it's headed. You and I both. <laughs> well, hey, let's talk a little bit about um, your life in general. Now, anybody that has listened to this point of the podcast can already tell you're a super positive person and uh, very optimistic about things. I read that your life motto is because nice matters. Tell me why. So this is a simple little phrase, because nice matters. And I try to use this phrase every single day in my life because nobody's perfect. And sometimes we are human and we're not so nice. But if you can keep that at the forefront of your mind, just to try to be a decent, kind person every day, I think it, it changes you for the better. It changes others for the better. And it just makes everything a little kinder and nicer. And I think that this this time is so special because this platform is something that I can talk about forever. You know, I can use in my family life one day and hopefully um, on and on. Um, just a kind message. There's so much ugliness in this world and hatred. And, you know, it amazes me every day what I read online of crazy things people say on their keyboards. And so, yeah, pretty if, sad, if isn't it? Have, right. If we could have a little more Audrey and a little less Nicki Minaj. <laughs> You know, <laughs> I, I've never heard it that way. I like that. That that's a uh, kind of my intent behind because nice matters is you don't have to be a perfectly perfect person, but you know kindness is something that you can instill in your life every day to people you care about, to your coworkers, to strangers. It's just it's just an easy thing to try to remind yourself. Well, anybody that has a, a platform that I've talked to, almost one hundred percent of them, it usually stems from some sort of either relationship or life event in their life. So for you, does this come from, you know, the way you were raised by your parents or something that happened to you or something that you experienced? It's a little bit of both. You know, I don't like to really dwell on this because I feel like it's, 
you know, everybody probably has a similar experience, but my high school experience really wasn't the most favorable one. I ended up graduating in three years and high school is just such an awkward, horrible time, but it's probably one of the darkest times of my life. And there's certain things that happened to me. And that's a big part of why I agreed to get into pageantry because I needed an outlet. I needed something to work towards. I needed something positive. And there was a moment where something childish happened in high school. And I was so angry and so upset and so hurt that I I got on my Facebook page and I started writing this this really horrible um, comment back to this person that had been so ugly to me. Before I pressed post, I just sat there and it just hit me like, why, why would I be ugly back to this person? Because that doesn't make me any better. And that's kind of where the because nice matters came from. And my mom and dad have always taught me to, you know, kill them with kindness and always rise above. And, you know, then that's where it's sort of the brainstorming happened. And I was like, wow, I found my platform. You know, it's much, much easier to react in an ugly manner when somebody hurts you or makes you sad. And it it takes a lot more strength and focus to, you know, shake it off, um, forgive them and, you know, be kind anyways, sort of where it stemmed from. Yeah. Well, I'm certainly glad you didn't hit post because (laughs) I I mean, (laughs) you know, as Carly Hay learned, I mean, that, that has consequences in the pageant world. Right. Well, I mean, it wasn't anything, um, like a bad word or something like that. It was just replying to somebody that was hurting me. And what was I, you know, if I acted the same as them, that, that wouldn't have uh, made any difference. So instead, I just didn't respond and I've tried to be kind to them. <laughs> yeah, well, good for you for being the bigger person. Here's what I want to – I was really interested when I read this. So for your 21st birthday, you and a group of friends completed what was called the 21 Acts of Kindness. Uh, you delivered lunch bags to the homeless. Look, I can tell you that most people on their 21st birthday, mm-hmm. the only 21 things they're doing are shots. So here you are giving back to others as part of your celebration. Where does that want to give back come from for you? Um, that probably comes from the way I was raised. Um, volunteering and doing good in the community is something that my dad and my mom instilled in me in a very young age. And, you know, a lot of my friends did celebrate the way you just described, <laughs> going to the bars oh, and yeah. uh, getting crazy on your 21st birthday. But I just knew that it was an opportunity to do something bigger than that on kind of a stereotypical birthday. So yeah, I did celebrate afterwards. We went to dinner and I had my first legal drink, but we spent the day trying to do some good in the community. And that's a memory that you know I'll have forever. And hopefully it inspires other people to do some good on a day that should be about you. You can make it about others. That's super cool that you did something like that. Um, I I do want to ask you this because uh, the whole point of this podcast, Life After the Crown, is, you know, many of the state title holders just like yourself that I've worked with, uh, once they give up their crown, which you just did a couple of weeks ago, this is a very difficult time for a lot of them. Since you are right in the middle of it and a lot of girls are getting ready to give up their crowns this fall, um, can you maybe shed some light on what you're feeling and kind of how you're handling it right now as, as maybe some tips to help others? Sure. Um, you know, this has been an eight-year journey for me. And so it's, it's kind of weird. It's eight-year journey and eight-month reign. And my goal has been, you know, to win Miss Texas, go to Miss USA for so long. And that's what I've been working towards. But I think I've also done a fairly decent job of also making sure my life isn't solely about pageants or being Miss Texas. I've tried to make sure that I have other interests and hobbies. And so 
I think my um, feelings about that are very, you know, it's kind of like mourning, like a friend <laughs> or an experience. Um, but I think a lot of people go through this, you know, what about high school athletes that, you know, maybe didn't get a scholarship to play in, in college, they have to kind of mourn that sport or whatever it is that they cared about. So I can relate it that way that this, this is something that will always be a part of my life. But, you know, I'm definitely hanging up my pageant heels and um, having to recognize that this is over. And I think, like I was I was talking to you about this, I think, off the record, um, that kind of coming into the Miss Texas weekend uh, when I was about to crown my successor. I was I didn't know how I was going to feel a little mixed emotions, very excited for the new girl, but just kind of this bittersweet feeling. And I woke up the next day after I crowned the new winner and I felt fine. It was like a freeing feeling. I don't, I don't really know how to put the words on it, but it just, you know, it's kind of like a new day. I, I could really go out and do anything. <laughs> if that makes sense, you know, I could move or I could try something totally crazy, something new that I've never thought of. And it's kind of exciting. And I've always been somebody that has a goal oriented mindset. I make vision boards and my mom was telling me, so are you going to make your new vision board? <laughs> so that, <laughs> that's one of my goals I'm going to be working on um, the next week or two is trying to make sure I have new goals and things to work towards. So if you're a title holder about to give up your crown, I think it's a good thing to reflect on your journey and also just start praying and focusing on what's next. Because if you're anything like me, I think having something to work towards is always a positive thing. Well, that's a great attitude to have about it. And I appreciate you sharing that. Um, I wanted to talk about something else that you do. Uh, if anybody pays attention to your Facebook or Instagram, you're a model. Um, you've done some fitness modeling. Yeah. Um, I read that you, yeah. you began competitive cheerleading when you were young and that your entire life up to seventh grade revolved around team practices and lessons and I guess you grew to love the workouts your coaches put you through because of how it developed your muscles and how it made you look. Um, how did you use, I guess, fitness modeling um, and cheerleading to help shape your work ethic that you have? So I think being in cheerleading at such a young age, and it wasn't just like the rah, rah, cheerleading with the pom-poms. It was like <laughs> very hard work, very serious, and it taught me to be dedicated and persistent. And I think those two characteristics are qualities that I, I hope that I can continue to have inside me forever. Like I, I remember being like probably eight, nine, 10 years old. And this is very silly, but my coach would be like, okay, ladies, like you need to do 50 abs. And I would do 60 because <laughs> it just made me feel like I was just working harder. The More overachiever. Having, yeah. And that's something that I kind of joke about but like even to this day if I'm dead tired or there's something going on in my life where I feel like I can't I can't keep going I know I can keep going I know I can get there because time and time again I've proven to myself that if you're persistent like you can make it happen no matter how how tired you are or how much you don't want to do something and that's really been important towards my work ethic and drive. And that also has led to me having a pretty um, muscular, I guess, physique since I was young. Mm -hmm. And maintaining that has been important to me because I think it sends a positive message to young girls, women my age, that fitness shouldn't just be like crash dieting and um, it should be a lifestyle. And that's something I try to live by 365 days a year is just maintaining a really healthy body. And that's also something that is a major topic that I think a lot of my pageant friends and I talk about is um, how a lot of people 
kind of crash diet and, you know, do certain things to make their body look a certain way for competition. And I just want to say to those people that feel like they have to do that is why, you know, if they just kind of focused on making it more of a lifestyle, then they wouldn't have to go about it in an unhealthy way. So bringing it back around to the main point about cheerleading and fitness modeling, I think they go hand in hand with just keeping me disciplined and focused on, you know, living a healthy lifestyle. Oh, and you, you bring a great perspective to it there. And what you mentioned is just, you know, how it positively affects women. Um, I guess that brings up yeah. another topic that if you just want to chime in real quickly on is the whole getting rid of swimsuit and pageants right now. It seems to have some steam right now. What do you think of that? I don't prefer that. Um, I think that that's one of the most empowering, exhilarating moments. And that's one of my favorite parts about competing. Being on the Miss USA stage, I had the opportunity to walk in my swimsuit on national television. And I happened to also have a long runway. It was like a Victoria's Secret <laughs> runway. And it was so it much was. fun. I totally strapped on my angel wings and walked down that runway in my head. But um, I I think it's very empowering and I don't really love that they're taking that away because it's almost like saying, well, we can't handle seeing women flaunt their bodies. And I think it's actually backtracking of how far we've come as women in society. And I definitely like to see them reconsider putting the bikini competition back in the Miss America system. And I really hope that they don't take it away from the USA system because I think it's more than just watching women walk in their bikinis. It's showing, you know, discipline and hard work and dedication towards their goals and their lifestyle. So I'd, I'd like to see it come back. And for the USA, USA system, I hope that it stays. Well, I could tell you, number one, I agree with you 100%. And I think that, that should be the case. Number two, um, Miss America may want to reconsider that because they were down 36% in the ratings this year. We just found that out a couple of days ago. And number well, three, I'm not going to lie. I did chime in to support Texas and then I ended <laughs> up changing it. I changed it pretty fast. Yeah, it was it was a different type of pageant. And then number three is that, uh, you know, from what I understand, I think the Miss Universe organization was definitely on that route of thinking about it. And I think they're going to, from what I understand, be pulling back from doing that. So that's probably a good thing. So uh, again, I think most people agree with you. I know there's a few out there that definitely don't, but I'm on board with you. And I think that it should come back because it is an empowering thing. It's not about sex appeal. It's more about just, you know, the confidence to be able to get up there and do what you did this year on that Miss USA stage. So exactly. let's talk about your real estate career because, uh, look, you're, you're 23, 24 now. Is that right? Yeah, I'm 23. 23. And you are, uh, from what I understand, a rock star real estate agent in Texas. Now, uh-huh. I know this business well because my parents were real estate brokers. They owned their own uh, brokerage for uh, almost 30 years. So I, I have a very good background of what you do. Um, I guess what I'm interested to know is I don't meet uh, anywhere male or female, a lot of real estate agents that are uh, your age that are doing as well as you're doing. So I guess, when did it start for you and and where does the passion come from? Um, I started working for my real estate company when I was a sophomore in college. So I was about 19 and I started interning for them. I was the coffee girl. I was the errand girl. (laughs) And um, it was it was kind of exciting because I got to work with um, a real estate brokerage Remax Fine Properties and a certain team called the Sansone Group. And they are some of the best in my area. And they took a chance on me by allowing me to 
work for them. I got to shadow them. And right away, that's sort of where my interest kind of sparked. And then about six months after my internship, um, my parents ended up putting their house on the market with the Sansom group. And I was so hands-on because I had just had the internship and I got really excited about being a part of the transaction. I wanted to help with every open house and I wanted wanted to know all the negotiating details. And I guess Liz and Chris, who are my bosses now, saw how interested I was and appreciated my work ethic as an intern. And they invited me to join their their team once I graduated college. So here comes my senior year of college. I ended up taking my real estate courses while I was still in college. And I sat for my real estate exam about a week after graduation and walked onto the team. And then it's been pretty awesome ever since. Yeah, it sounds like it. So tell me why real estate? I mean, what, where did that come from? I mean, was it something that happened when you were young or was it just something that you took interest in in college? Yeah, it was, it was really just in college. Um, I got a, my goal was to get a business degree and a communications minor. And I was also minoring in leadership. And so I kind of thought I might've gotten into the nonprofit route. That was sort of where I thought I was headed. And then as soon as I started working for Liz and Chris, I just fell in love with what they did. I really liked that every day there was something new. There was a different flyer to put out. They got to put keys in the hands of people that never thought that they'd be homeowners. And as somebody that likes to see other people be happy, and I'm a people pleaser, um, that really lighted the fire in me where I was really excited about hoping to be like them one day. That's kind of where it started. When you were crowned uh, back in January, um, you were pretty much a full-time real estate agent. Were you concerned about your ability to be able to handle both roles? Um, Yeah, that definitely crossed my mind many times. And there's been many days over the past eight months where it has been a struggle. But because I have such an amazing support system in my work family, I have gotten through it just fine. I've actually surpassed my real estate goals already this year. And I only had one foot in the door, basically. And I owe that all to my team members. So um, it just, it takes a lot of preparation, being organized and a determined heart, I guess, and that and people that support you because they were front row at Miss USA. They came to Miss Texas when I won. I mean, anytime I needed to travel up as Miss Texas, they would take over my clients and take over my showings for me. And they've just been here every step of the way. And I think they were pretty excited about having a Miss Texas on their real estate team. <laughs> we always tease about that. But I really couldn't have gotten through it without them. And um I'm, they're pretty loyal to me and I'm pretty loyal to them. And it means a lot to be able to have a career where you can do two things at once like that. But I'm not going to lie. I'm pretty excited about, you know, having um, the reign complete. And now I can really just focus because I think ever since I started my career, it's always been kind of a, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, you're trying to be focused on your career, but there's that goal that's constantly in the back of your mind that, distracts you from being 100% in your career. Yep. I think we all know that feeling. Yeah. And so it's, it's really weird. Now real estate is the only focus I have until I come up with a new goal. Um, But for now, it feels really good to have two feet in the door for my work and just trying to develop and grow as a realtor. And yeah, it's pretty, pretty exciting. So you're on team Samsung. That's a, is that a Remax agency? Is that right? Yes. So we actually just changed our name to the Sansone Group because of some Trek laws, which 
<laughs> they change those all the time you, in real you estate, can be, don't they? Right. You can be Sansone team, but you can't be team Sansone. So we just changed <laughs> it all together to the Sansone group because why not? <laughs> you can be Team Sansone when you go to like the Tough Mudder or something like that. Exactly. Yeah. Now, I, I believe you're what's referred to as a buyer's specialist. Is that right? That's so correct. I guess explain what that means exactly compared to, I, I guess, the traditional real estate agent. So working for Living Chris, you, um, you kind of go through like the Living Chris boot camp. And so over the past two years, I've been training, um, shadowing them and really focusing on working with buyers. And I feel like I've mastered that. And so I specialize in working with buyers. And now I've started learning more about the listing side. Because what I like about losing Chris, and I I wish more people in the real estate industry would do this. A lot of times you'll just get your license and they send you out there. And there's so many realtors out there that have no mentors. They really don't know what they're doing because getting your license is different from having real experience. And I've learned that through many different challenges I've had over the past two years and successes in the real estate world. And so it's really nice to have Liz and Chris who are always just a phone call away if I need help or if I'm running into a situation where I'm not quite sure what to do, but I have a team of people who can guide me. And um, I like that they've really made me focus on one part of the industry before moving on to the next because they, they make sure you master it before they let you just run out into the field and start helping people because to me that's irresponsible. And so, um, yeah, I, I'm focused right now on just helping buyers and starting to train now that Miss Texas is over more on the listing side, but that's sort of how they do business. And I really like that because it makes me feel more knowledgeable and confident when I'm working with my clients. So I know exactly what I'm doing before I'm out there representing somebody. Well, it sounds like you have some incredible mentors behind you because if, if, if I know anything about real estate from my parents, you know, the big things that you need to be able to do uh, because real estate agents are like hairstylists, there's a million of them, as you mentioned, is number yep. one, <laughs> networking, and number two, marketing. If you can do those both well, you're going to be successful. So what have you, what do you feel like you do differently than a lot of other people out there that, that makes you successful? That is a really great question because I think that one of the major things about me is that I'm my age, you know, I'm 23, I'm a female. And I think um, that that separates me from a lot of people in our area that have been in the business a lot longer, but they don't really understand social media and technology and being innovative. So I think that's one of the things that sets me apart. And I kind of just use that to my advantage because sometimes I've gotten people where they're like, oh, you seem really young. You know, how long have you been in real estate? And they're kind of questioning my ability, maybe at first that I'm capable of putting one of their their biggest purchases in, in my hands to help them. Um, But then as soon as I open my mouth and I start talking about real estate and my role, they're like, okay, we got it. (laughs) That's probably, I think I use my age and my abilities to just be innovative with social media and things like that. I think that that's what kind of gives me an edge. Well, you you chatted a little bit about it there, but I I do wonder, um, you know, being 23, um, you're very knowledgeable, successful, and you're obviously very beautiful. Do you face a little bit of the, uh, oh, here's real estate Barbie? Do you face a little bit of that backlash? You know, I haven't really so far. So, you know, a lot of people ask me, so do you, are you like totally in heels and full hair and makeup every single day at work? <laughs> and my answer is no, because I've learned that you have to dress for the client. So if I, if I know I'm going to a certain neighborhood in town, 
um, that's just a little more casual, family oriented. I don't, I don't need to step out in my full pageant ensemble to go show somebody a house. I'm more lax. I'm in flat, you know, a nice dress and lighter hair and makeup. And then I know that if I'm showing somebody in town who has a higher price range and is expecting me to look extremely professional, um, then I kind of dress for that. And I think my ability to kind of gauge, you know, what people expect has really helped me avoid that kind of, oh, here comes realtor Barbie. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I I think people do that in all different businesses. I think that's really powerful if you can try to gauge what's appropriate to some people and what's not. Now, by looking at your Instagram account, from what I can tell, um, you're not selling the the lower priced houses. I mean, you seem to be selling some, you know, pretty, I guess we'll say wealthy homes. Um, is that just part of what Sansone tends to have or is it a market you've tried to niche yourself into? Absolutely not. And I really don't try to, you know, put myself in the position where I'm only selling a certain kind of home. You know, we sell, I, we've done it, mobile homes to million dollar homes and everything in between. And so I try to treat every person that contacts me on my email, by phone, Instagram, the same way, even if they're just leasing a home for $800, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's all about the experience. And so, no, we we do it all. And I I try to make that known. So maybe I need to do a better job of letting people know that we service anyone, even if it's just leases. But I try really hard every day to make the experience at the Sandstone Group um, just great. And everybody's going to expect the same, the same kind of treatment, no matter who you are, what your budget is, what kind of home you're looking for. No, for, for the people who are thinking about going into real estate, you know, maybe they want to be like Logan Lester and they see you and they're like, you know, that looks like it could be a great job. Are there, you know, I guess maybe talk about what your day to day looks like. You know, what do you do when you get up in the morning till you leave at five or six or nine or whenever you leave? Okay. So typically I naturally just sort of wake up around 630. I kind of lay in bed for a little while because my brain just wakes up really early. I'm a morning girl. Um, So I like to get my workouts in in the morning. I work out, I get ready for the day. And then at about nine after I've finished, you know, having morning time is when I take at least an hour to two hours prospecting, calling clients, doing paperwork. A lot of times people think that real estate, you just kind of open the doors and write contracts and that's it. But there's so much more to it, and it takes a lot of hard work and dedication. Otherwise, you're not going to be successful. So every day, it's really important to carve out that time. I call it like my power hour. <laughs> I love it. I love you're it. You're not distracted by anybody. You're sitting there focused. And I don't necessarily have to go into the office for that. I have an at-home office where I find I get a lot done because I can control my surroundings. Sometimes I feel like when I'm at the office, people are knocking on the door, hey, what's going on? And it distracts me. So I try to do that in the first um, nine to 11 hours. Then from there, it depends on the day. Um, Most of the time I'm out showing clients um, or I'm working one of our new construction model homes, which we do a lot with a builder here in Houston called Pelican. Mm-hmm. And that just varies every day, which is really exciting because pretty much after 10, 30, 11, it's different. You know, I'm not sitting at a desk all day long. Um, there's something new and exciting going on every day. And then by the end of the day, normally people at five o'clock can be done with work, but I'm pretty much always on call. So people are still wanting to talk to you or you have to answer emails. 
and um, write contracts, sometimes late at night. And people argue, well, Logan, you could just not answer those people. But I'm at the point in my career where I'm always hungry for work and hungry for helping people. So I'm still at the point where I don't mind working early and staying up late pretty much seven days a week because I love what I do. But I know that probably one day when I have a family and I have a few different priorities that that might change a little bit. Yeah, just a little bit, just a little bit. Yeah, but for now, that's kind of one of the things I also use to market myself. For, you know, I don't, have, I don't have a husband, I don't have kids. You know, my priority is working, working with the client. So I normally don't tell them I miss Texas or I wasn't Texas. <laughs> So they don't normally know that. Well, look, your your work ethic is obviously paying off. I have no doubt it's probably affecting your income in a great way. But I did read that you earned the recognition as the youngest member of the 20 under 40 list in Houston real estate. Um, so I guess what what is it that drives you to succeed? I mean, you know, not just in real estate, but in life, because it sounds like you have a very good structure in place and a way you operate. And not a lot of girls you know, or guys do at 23 years old. Where does it come from? I think it's probably how I was raised, but also I have no other choice. You know, there's no other option than to be successful. I I pay for all my own things. You know, I pay for my life. I, you know, there's things that I, I want to accomplish and I know that nobody is just going to hand it to me. I have to work for it. And that's something that's been instilled in me for a very long time. And I think that's kind of what my motivation is, is. You can't just sit around and expect people to do the work for you. And so I know that every day, that's kind of what pushes me to work hard and get the things that I want, whether that be Miss Texas or a real estate goal or a trip that I want to go on. You know, I know that I can't just call up my family and ask for them to do it for me or call up a friend. I have to put in the work and do it myself. And I think about that sometimes, like actually a week before I gave up my crown, my mom (laughs) pulled me aside and she was like, Logan, I have to be honest with you about something. And I was kind of like, what, you know, what, what could you be hiding from me? And she said, for a long time, I've been wanting to tell you this, but I want you to work on relaxing and acting your age sometimes and just having more fun because she, I guess, sees me as somebody like you're saying, that's just very driven and focused and I'm sometimes so serious. And so that's kind of something I'm trying to work on is to not be, you know, so serious about life and try to enjoy it a little more, (laughs) Um, which is perfect timing because now that one of my biggest goals has been checked off the bucket list, I can sit back and kind of work on what what's fun for me and what's exciting, what makes me happy. And so it's it's a give and take and it's a little bit of both, but I think it's just in my blood to be focused and work hard. Well, that approach that you take, can I tell you, is so refreshing to hear because sadly enough, as I'm sure you know, there are so many people across the country right now that think exactly the opposite. They do want their parents to take care of them or they do want the government to take care of them. And they don't, and they don't take that attitude of you know, if it's to be, it's up to me type thing. And the fact that you do um, is such a great example to, you know, those listening and, and just to so many girls out there. I think you should do some speaking. What do you think? Yeah, I'd love the opportunity to do that. Um, I'm actually working on a book as well, which has been a goal of mine in my heart for a really long time. And I've just never really had the spare time to get into it. So now that, you know, I'm done with this chapter of life, I'm hoping to put some of my energy and efforts into finishing the book. And it doesn't have a title yet. So well, hey, it's <laughs> all, all part of that. 
goal-driven strategy that you have. You look at you writing books, killing it on the real estate, winning pageants. I mean, gosh, what's next? You just got to find that husband and you're ready to go. Well, I, I don't really know what's next. Uh, my mom keeps telling me it's probably staring at me in the face. I just <laughs> I don't see it yet, but I'm really trying to reflect and focus and pray about it. And it's really exciting. It's it's better better than I thought it would be. Life after the crown, just you know, you've, I've got a whole new world open up to me. And not that before the crown, not that that was a bad thing. It's just when you kind of get consumed with that goal, and then once it happens to you, you're living in the moment and you're enjoying it. And afterwards, it it can be what you make it. You can let the crown define you, or you can use it to grow and evolve in life. And that's that's my game plan. So, did you feel like? Just a couple of weeks ago, giving up the crown, I know it was bittersweet, but did you almost feel like there was a pressure taken off of you or shackles were unleashed where you're now, you're like, I'm free. I can, I can literally do what I want and I can go after some new things. Yes, I did feel like that. But, you know, being a Miss Texas USA title holder, I think that there's, there's something special about that. And so many of the women that have worn the crown before me go off and do amazing things. And I think for a while that was making me feel pressured because I'll be always asked, who's our host? Albert Solis, he's like, what's next for you? <laughs> <laughs> and I had some great things to say, but it wasn't like, well, I'm moving to LA to go do this. You know, I'm I'm engaged or whatever. It, it was, I just, because raw and honest, well, I'm focusing on my career and I'm focusing on what's next. And it's really exciting to be a part of that legacy. And I'm so honored and I'll carry that with me forever. But I, I'm not going to lie, it does feel really nice to, to just be Logan for a little while and find out what that truly means because life is all about discovering yourself and changing. You know, I'm not the same person that I was when I began this journey. And I know that eight years from now, I will be a different person, hopefully in a, in a great way. So it's exciting. Well, uh, we're excited to watch your journey. And for those listening, I know you already have a ton of followers, but how can they follow you on social media if they want to, to learn more about you? Sure. And anybody that listened today, if you have any questions for me, you're more than welcome to reach out, but you can follow my Instagram and it's at Lolo Lester, which is L-O-L-O Lester, L-E-S-T-E-R. I'm also on Twitter with the same handle and that's probably the best place to find me. I'm working on a website so you can visit it, but there's not much on there right now, Um, but that'll be launching in January. Um, But yeah, I'm an open book. So if anybody that's listening has questions or wants to talk, I'm, I'm always one to try to give positive feedback and information. Well, very cool. Well, congratulations again on Miss Texas USA, top 15 at Miss USA and your, your uh, burgeoning uh, real estate career. So thanks for coming on and sharing your story and certainly hope to uh, meet you in person here in the near future. Yes, I look forward to it. And um, thank you so much for having me on. I've always been an admirer and it's really exciting to be one of the first Texas girls on your podcast. That's right. You are us. the very first. Yeah. I, I'm working on Crystal Stewart, but you were definitely first. So thanks for coming on and appreciate oh, it. Oh my and... goodness. <laughs> yeah. I love it. And Crystal's got an amazing story, so that'll be exciting. Yeah, it should be fun. Well, Logan, thanks so much and good luck to you, and we'll talk to you soon, okay? Okay. Thanks, Tim. That is today's episode. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Do me a favor, subscribe to the podcast. You can do so on Spotify, YouTube, SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, the podcast app, Google Play, or just go to lifeafterthecrown.com. And if you're still involved in the pageant world and you're wondering, what does life after the crown look like for me? I encourage you to download my free Life After the Crown Starter Guide. It's a quick read. It'll give you a great blueprint on how to start planning now 
and not when pageant life is over. To get it, just go to timtialdo.com slash starter guide. And for weekly podcast updates, you can just follow me on Instagram at timtialdo. Until next time, remember the words of Matthew 2026. Whoever wants to be great must become a servant. Whoever wants to be the first among you must be your slave. This is what the Son of Man has done. He came to serve, not be served, and then to give away his life in exchange for the many who are held hostage. Have an awesome week, everybody.